Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart at Hear Me See Me podcast, and today I'm talking to one of my absolute hair heroes and uh, a legend in the hairdressing industry, Errol Douglas, MBE. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. Are you, are you well today? Uh, fantastic. Uh, looking fantastic. Forward. Yeah, looking forward to uh, getting back to work. Um, I'm sure. I am, yeah, I'm very excited. Put it that way, Stuart. Yeah. Uh, it's, been, yeah. it's been a long, oh, I, I think it must be, ah, uh, must be about 86 days or 87 days since March. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a long lockdown and I know you've been busy. I've been extremely busy but at the same time you know um, direction we kind of lost direction a bit because I'm used to going in I'm used to getting up and going in I know we've done everything virtually but I'm still used to getting up and going to work yeah not going to my front room or (laughs) you know the other bedroom or you know that's that's where it's become slightly um, yeah it's just become weird but uh, Everything's different, isn't it? It's all I, I actually went to um, London for the first time Friday and yeah. uh, went on the train. And I, I, I couldn't believe how, how full of fear I was just getting yeah. you know, to the train station. Yeah. And yet when yeah. I got on there, there was no one on the train. <laughs> it's, no. A, no. it's a surreal thing. I think there's going to yeah. people that are going to have to take a while to adjust. Yeah. We do get they back do. out there. I, do. I think the government have made such a great campaign of... Um, Stay inside, protect the NHS, um, you know, wash your hands. They've done such an amazing job. And the people who are advised by the law, like yourself yeah. and me and all yeah. the listeners, have done everything to the letter. And then obviously you've got a lot of people who have carried on as if nothing's happened. Yeah. So what the government needs to do now is do a reverse campaign and get everybody out of their houses and back to work, but be careful. That's it. I think that's a that's a very valid point because yeah. um, you know it, it's to, to dispel the dispel the theatre. You know, yeah. so yeah. you know it's okay. Get out of the, still still be careful, um, but you know we've got to get going. We must get yeah. started again. Yeah. yeah. And, and and what they should be saying and encouraging, and and I know um, they have to ingest a little bit of fear, but they have to get us back into the mode of 
spending money, and I'm not just talking about in the supermarkets. We just mm. need to get back yeah. out there and, um, you know, uh, spend a little money. Um, yeah. The economy's got to be jolt-started, isn't it, now? Yeah. 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 I've got the leads, but we've got to get it going. Yeah. <laughs> Jump started. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Errol, what I'm going to do is I want us to go, I want because we've got, we've got a bit of time to talk today, so I'd, I'd really like, if you don't mind, to take you right back to where it all began, if you don't mind. No, yeah. Um, wh- wh- where do you want? Where, where do I navigate? Where, where do well, we go? Because I was going to say your hairdresser, but, you know, tell me a bit about what was your childhood like? My childhood, and um, and I can only say this because I grew up, in one of the most revered and feared and hatred areas, I think, in London. And certain people can say that only in, unless they're kind of submerged in it. But at the same time, where I was born was the most friendliest place as well. So I was born in um, East London. Uh, I was born in Hackney Hospital, um, which now... Oh, sorry, not even now. It was kind of known for the most gunshot and stab wounds. Um, I was born uh, in a house, um, 13 Speldus Road, just near Victoria Park. Um, my parents were part of the British Empire, so they weren't migrants. They came over here from Guyana under the British rule. They weren't Windrush. But obviously, that's another story. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they came here with um, my dad. Was amazing. He 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 was part of the. Um, he was a commissioner um, in his country, and most of his brothers were policemen. Uh, my mum was a seamstress. You know, she made wedding dresses, and um, she taught a little bit of infant school. So she was quite um, amazing. And then um, when they came over to this country, they came over with three children. And um, that's three of my brothers. And then um, myself and my other brother was born here. So they had, imagine, five children mm. under the ages of, yeah, under the age of, uh, under, the age of under, under the age of 13, all little ones. So that's a lot yeah. of kids. Um, yeah, and they were they they were great um, for me only because they their ethos was so incredible about you know not not letting anybody get to you you know you you've got positivity and love and all that stuff they were really good at bringing us up and you know they're very um, equal with their support you know because uh, one of the big misdemeanors in life and. And I know this is going off of what we're talking about. Uh, as parents, some parents favoritise children. <laughs> right. And it's the worst thing you can do in life, you know. So yeah. they brought us up quite, so they brought us up very evenly and um, we supported each other. Uh, all my brothers are academics. Um, there's only two of us who are quite artistic. My brother above me, Anthony, owns a antique shops and she does a lot of stuff with TV and obviously I've got my hairdressers and uh, my eldest brother is a chartered accountant, he deals with insolvency, my second brother is um, an insurance broker so he's, he's 
business is amazing at the moment. And yeah. uh, my first brother works for a group called the Leading World Hotels of the World. So he's based in New York. Right. So everybody's kind of got their thing. But yeah. um, from my, um, when I was growing up, I always knew I wanted to do hair. Always. Yeah. So how did that stop itself? Where did it, how did you know that? Um, I don't know. I used, people used to take the mickey out of me. Why you always got girls around you? Why are all your girls, <laughs> why are you, your, your friends always girls? Why are they always pretty? Why have they always got long hair? <laughs> <laughs> so from the age of when I could charm people, that's, uh, that's when it started. Because I was always saying to my girlfriend, let me brush your hair, let me flat it, you know. Um, yeah, it started from then. It was very much clothes and very much hair and very yeah. much makeup. But in those days, obviously, I didn't wear the makeup. I didn't no. wear the <laughs> I yeah. was just doing everybody's hair. And um, I would say about four, five, six or seven, I just made a life, you know, and again, some people say, you can't make a decision about your life at that age yes you can if yeah. I was a pianist if I was a tennis player if I was a golfer I've got a really good friend of mine in North Carolina his son is um, 14 Mavericks 14 but he's been yeah. um, uh, on the golf circuit since he's um, about 4 so he's going to be amazing so yeah. it just comes that's why uh, in this country, I think we always get pulled down that we don't put our youngsters in quick enough. You know, look at um, Wimbledon, the youngest yeah. person in the world, just Boris Becker, and he yeah. started uh, when he was young. Um, yeah. You know, Fred Perry, when he won, he was he was quite old. But just imagine, yeah. we, do, we don't invest in young athletes or young people, no. um, which is weird. So, my start was yeah, I, I I knew Stuart the journey was here, yeah. and I keep on saying this, and it's a gift. It is it's such a vocation. It's a stamp. It's like somebody's saying to me, Errol, I'm going to ordain you, <laughs> <laughs> priest of hair. <laughs> or should I say beast? <laughs> priest, priest of hair. But it is, isn't it? Yeah, if, if, it is. If you, if you can go to you know, um, that school of, you know, if I, if, uh, put it this way, arts education, the Brit school, fame school, you know, all that stuff. If yeah. that was in its day for each profession, just imagine what this nation would be like. Which is why education is so key in it. That's the thing. Yeah. When you think yeah. that, you know, that, um, and then nurturing talent. Uh, from an early age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my first break was uh, because my mum and dad um, were very much into, you know, society and uh, going to parties and everything. So I'd always, I'd be the only son who would be begging because <laughs> everybody else didn't want to go um, to the hairdressers of my mum. Right, yeah. So my mum, and at that time, obviously I'm not little now, at that time my mum would just take me off. I would sit by her leg 
Mrs. Johnson, that's what her hairdresser's name was, mm. was typical. Um, as in those days, I don't know if you know this, they used to smoke while they were doing hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did when I started. <laughs> I, 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 did. I was one of the first salons in Essex to ban smoking before it got banned. Oh. And I lost clients over it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Ashtrays. As you were... <laughs> yeah. So just imagine this, Stuart. I'm yeah. in the hairdressers with my mum. My mum used to dress me up because, you know, if you come from a family such as that, or especially it's in, in the East End, you always look immaculate. That's it, yeah. So I was by my mum and my mum's foot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She said, don't move. And Mrs. Johnson would just flick ash on me. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the other lady would flick ash on me. And I would just have to sit there and uh, not move because yeah. it is the truth. You know, your mum yeah. and dad told you not to move. You don't move. No, that's right. So she felt sorry for me towards the visit and said, Errol, do you want the Saturday job? And I said, really? And he said, yeah, come in. So I got my first Saturday job at about 10, I think I was. And um, you can't even. I understand the laws about, um, you know, they've got to be a certain age now. Yeah. Children yeah. working and that, but yeah. I don't know. It sort of miss out on that, you know, the harness yeah. thing of yeah. volunteering for a yeah. few, or you know, just a bit of pocket money. Absolutely. Early but, on, but, you know. But but back then, she didn't even say it was a job. She said no. she was just coming in to help me, so I didn't see it as work. No. I just saw it as um, you know going in and help helping her, yeah. and um, it was fascinating. You know, nobody made an appointment. Stuart, there was no. chaos in there. Yeah. People were waiting. Um, her stylist and her were fully booked. She would just walk out the shop, go and have her lunch, don't tell anybody and come back. Uh, <laughs> they would still be sitting there. Um, you know, there was a lot of perms in those days. Yeah. And um, I have to point out, in that particular time, the hairdresser that my mum was going to was an Afro hairdresser. So, yeah. you know, she, we, I had to... Um, Re, I won't say heat, but I had to blow them dry, the permanent yeah. papers after. She didn't That's throw it. Any I remember that. <laughs> she didn't throw any tissues away. No. Go she through the hair for the pins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to, she didn't throw any pins away. No, no. Um, so it's a hygienic nightmare. There was no yeah. bath size. <laughs> there was, she had a bit of disinfectant. There was no, um, um, you know, disinfecting uh, chamber. There was nothing. Oh. So I was getting older and older and older. And um, by then, she said, "You know, you've got to uh, get an apprenticeship." And I said, "Oh God!" Just as he said that, I was going to say to you, "You know, where do you think I should go?" So I, I never wanted to stay local. This was in Hackney. Yeah. So um, at 16, I had the courage because um, I went to college afterwards. I had, at 16, I had the courage between college to go to job interviews and I got my first Saturday job in the respect of the West End Salon 
um, in in Swiss Cottage. Um, Antonio Brothers or something. Anyway, I can't remember. They yeah. were so. Um, they had. They were. What's the word? They were almost. They discriminated against my height. <laughs> oh right. I was taller than everybody, and they said, "You're never going to make it, Errol. You're too tall. You're too in, in, um, uh, empowering." And I said, "What?" <laughs> uh, anyway, so I worked for them and cleaned up, and I got the most tips. I I, I um, learned really quickly. Um, it was it was just really weird because I could have um, went on the floor, and then I saw an ad in the paper. Um, <sighs> then the hairdresser called Roger Hart and I had heard of the hairdresser who was managing the place uh, because even then, you know, I had my hairdresser's journal yeah. and uh, a guy who I was following, his name is Paul Edmonds. Oh, right. <laughs> so, Liz and Paul Edmonds worked at Roger Hart and right. um, literally, that's where my life changed. Um, yeah. He gave me an apprenticeship and that was just the biggest gift, you know, anybody could give a young, enthusiastic boy because yeah. um, Roger Hart was in a place called Stamford Street and Stamford Street then was by ICC Magazine and ICC Magazines was by Coin Street, London Weekend. Right. So all that development is obviously changed now. But just imagine all the media people were in one specific yeah. area and Paul and his wife did everybody. We had journalists, we had editors, um, we had the best PR, we had celebrities. It was, yeah. it was insane. Absolutely insane. Well, that was for, uh, I was an assistant for probably about just under 18 months to two years. Yeah. And by then he had left and opened up his first, uh, no, actually, no, he, he left because he was headhunted by a group called Neville Daniel. Remember that? I remember Neville, yeah, remember Neville yeah. Daniel, yeah. Yeah, Neville Daniel had three salons, the three biggest salons in London, I may add. They had one in um, New Cavendish Street, uh, which is now the Aveda Institute. But when Neville Daniel had it, it was three shops and I think it's now been condensed into two shops and then if anybody knows where Boots is now the big Boots on the King's Road uh, actually no it wasn't there there's a big pizzeria in the middle that kind of stucco building that was the Neville Daniel um, <laughs> uh, second shop and their third right. shop which was just a palace that's where that's where we worked we worked in um, Sloan Street and Sloan Street was now Dolce Gabbana and it was the only salon of its day to have a lift oh was it we had, we had three floors <laughs> had a lift uh, then yeah. it had the Queen's Warrant because a guy called Charles Martin was doing the Queen's hair Liz and right. Paul was headhunted by Neville Tucker Daniel Hurchison and Robert Shipton Right. Uh, to come and work for them. And, um, yeah, my life literally changed because when they met me, 
They said, oh, you're quite mature for like 16, 17. I mean, yeah. sorry, I was 18 then. They yeah. said, you're quite mature for 18. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, you've got leadership qualities. And I said, what does that mean? And literally, before I knew it, Stuart, I was running Cavendish Street Juniors as well as my really? own juniors. And then I was um, <laughs> running King's Road Juniors. So I was, the, I, was ju- I was the head junior of about 35 assistants. And I had to <laughs> go between the shock. And then we, I've just got to stop you a second because I've, up until now the parallels have been really uncanny, even yeah. from me being a boy going to mum and actually liking going to the hairdressers with my mum and all them. There's all these parallels until you've got to eighteen and you're you're heading thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm afraid our, our paths have differed. It's <laughs> quite incredible, you know. That is for anyone who doesn't understand. That's, that's just quite monumental, isn't it? It was, it was. Yeah. It, the, the, the fact, um, and I can only say this, and, I, I, and I'm not being careful because I don't want to disrespect or kind of, um, you know, insult anybody. I'm just telling my story. Yeah. So, but at that particular time, it was incredible being in the West End uh, because, and everybody would know this when I say that, if you, if you're, if you were... Um, working in Mayfair, the West End or Knightsbridge, you would absolutely know what I'm going to say. By then, we had an influx of all Saudi money. Right. So everybody came into London. So one of my stylists got gifted a Porsche. One of them got, like, uh, keys to a house for six months. I was getting, you know, three or four hundred pound tips from each um, client. Right. Uh, it, it, it was unbelievable. It was the most unbelievable time. And at that... Uh, I used to get baked a lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that. <laughs> but, at, but at that time, which was so yeah. incredible, was yeah. the time I said, no, I, I don't want all this. Right. I need to knuckle down and do hair. So all I'm saying, that was the dazzling right. yeah, get pride. That. And all that money, I saved, yeah. and I went on courses. So yeah. I was obviously doing European hair, and I started off in Afro hair, but I was, I was always keeping my hand in, in Afro hair, because obviously you had to, or I had yeah. to at that particular yeah. time. And um, I went for cutting courses, festoons. Um, I don't know if you remember the ginger group. I went to ginger, the ginger group. Yeah group for um, courses. I went to Regent Street. I'm laughing because uh, this place is a dump. Uh, yeah. Excuse me for saying it. I went to, you know, uh, Morris. Remember Morris? Um, yeah, Morris, yeah. Yeah, I went to there for um, courses. And by then, I was, yeah, I was getting somewhere. And um, Lizzie Paul Edmonds had left Neville Daniel by then. And yeah. set up on their own in um, uh, Mock. Sorry, no, I'm in Mockham Street. They set up their own their own place in uh, Beecham Place, or some people right. pronounce it Bosham Place, right. um, or Bosham Place. Anyway, in um, just off Brompton Road. Right. So the shop was tiny, 
but it was uh, an electric um, atmosphere. It only had 10, no, 10, it only had 25, I think, 25 positions. And now that sounds a lot, but in a small shop where you're cutting somebody's hair, but you've got somebody else's thumb in your face. Yeah, that's, that's how squashed it. it was. Yeah. And uh, we got on. And in those days, you know, people had um, manicures, pedicures. Uh, we didn't have any air conditioning. It was awful. Every time yeah. I went to work, I'd drop a dress size. It was yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> it was, but absolutely, that salon, number 18, um, um, uh, Beach and Place, was rammed. Yeah. So when everybody heard Liz and Paul had their salon, all the people from uh, old, like all the editors and all the TV people came, and at that particular time, because people can't believe how, you know, this story all unfolds, um, Liz and Paul had the most powerful PR in the world, um, which was Lynn Franks. So right. Lynn Franks, I don't know if you... Uh, at that particular point, she started off the Labour, she was doing uh, PR for the Labour government. She was had all these slogans. She was um, uh, doing stuff for Not the Nine O'clock News, Lenny Henry, Rowan Atkinson. Right. It was it was a powerhouse, um, and we had those people as clients because if you've got a good PR, they send all the best people in. Yeah, you. and at that particular time, I was. Um, doing editorial, I was doing TV, uh, because she knew a lady called Leslie Gorian. Leslie Gorian ran London Fashion Week. Uh, another lady who um, Jane was very uh, close to, or Lynn was very close to, her name was Jane Galpin. She started up all the hairdressers on TV, myself, Anthony Muscola, Trevor Sorby, uh, John Frieda. So, and then we started programs like the Style Challenge, Jeff, um, yeah. um, uh, Banks, um, Selena Scott. Yeah, I remember uh, that, yeah. Karen Franklin. Uh, we were on TV all the time. Yeah. And this, was, this, this happened because you had to know the right people. And yeah. then Jane, who was head of the BBC production, said, we've got a show and it's a makeover show, and it's based in the Midlands, and it's called the Style Challenge. So she said, would you come up and do the Style Challenge? So every weekend, I used to have to leave my clients and then run up there, do a couple of shows, and then run back. Um, but at that particular time, Stuart, hairdressing was on TV 24 hours a day. It yeah. was incredible. It was everything was about hair, everything was about makeovers. Um, I don't think the awards fully kicked in because there was not a lot of hairdressing awards. So the main thing was, you know, obviously everybody went to Salon International, but there was no major awards. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of twenty fourth nomination in now from doing the hairdressing awards, but yeah. Nobody, would, it it was trickling. It wasn't big, and yeah. um, obviously, you know, Hairdresser Journal made it big, and then um, 
L'Oreal Color Trophy made it big and yeah. uh, Most Wanted made it big and then obviously the British Business Awards made it um, big. So things were starting to bubble. But, you know, going back to Paul's, Paul's salon and um, I was the youngest um, artistic director, I think, in London because I literally just turned 20, not even 21. Really? And then, <laughs> yeah, he said, I want you to be my artistic uh, director. I want you to be head of education. And I said, you're joking. He said, Errol, don't even talk to me like that. You're doing it. Wow. So then, and it, honestly, it's just so weird. This, yeah. Because it's like, I've got good memory. It doesn't, things just stick in my head. And at that particular time, I met my best friend who sadly passed away. And that was Umberto Giannini. Because oh, yeah. Paul, Paul said, I was, you know, um, your head of education, your artistic director, and one of my friends who I've worked with, and she was a really close friend called Paula Jerome, said, I know a hairdresser, and he knows you, but you don't really know each other. And literally, when we met, we became best friends, and that was Umberto. So I offered Umberto a job from the Midlands to come and work for us in London. And literally, again, the rest is history. Umberto just flew. Yeah, he absolutely flew, and um, it was sad because he left the salon and then set up his own salons and groups, and then, you know, tragically <coughs> he died uh, yeah. at 32, really young. But uh, so young, wasn't it? It was just yeah, yeah, yeah. It was devastating because yeah. you know he was a really funny guy, cheeky. Yeah, um, everybody knew him absolutely. Yeah. It's but, funny because uh, uh, only last week his his team reached out to Haircuts Founders um, and said that they wanted to help, um, mm. and they sort of said they the email was a bit like I don't know if you know about us we're you know Umberto Giannini, and mm. straight away I said you know like of course like you know I yeah. I remember and respected him so much and mm. you know I think they was quite shocked that I knew <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's time, time has gone past, hasn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. I remember him really well. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, his name, and I think it's to do with everything of, um, you know, remembering people who deserve that because he was part of the hairdressing history landscape. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he went on to sell a product called Osis. That's to, um, yeah. Schwarzkopf. So, Schwarzkopf, yeah. yeah. So he he is, you know, and he influenced me, and I I influenced him. Yeah. It was just great, and um, he was the first person to steer me towards um, the fellowship. So uh, him and a guy called Keith Harris. Yeah. Um, they said go in for something called the painting, and I said, um, Nah, I'm, I'm too busy. They said, Errol, go in for it. So then you had to do a couple of haircuts, um, do a couple of long hair and do a couple of shows. And I thought, hmm, I can do this. So I did it and then I got in. And um, I was 21 when I got into the fame too. And the majority of the people in there were pretty heavyweight 
Um, yeah. Antoinette Beansers was in my team, yeah. and there were six of us. Um, oh, it was quite a few people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fame team obviously stood for Fellowship Academy Merit and Excellence, and it was all about going forward and making sure your stamp you know, you, you you just made it in hairdressing and anybody who's been in the fame team to date is uh, a prolific name in the hairdressing yeah. world. So that brand is unfailed, you know. And um, I went on, obviously, to um, be artistic director of a couple of fame teams. And one of my famous people who um, I mentored and, we're still in contact with Chris Appleton. Right. So, you know, look at Chris. Chris is, you know, is like the hairdresser in the world, isn't he? Anybody who doesn't know uh, Chris Appleton because of um, the Kardashians, anybody who doesn't know Jen Atkins because of the Kardashians, look at that. You know, that's all, that's what the media does. Um, Yeah. So, going back to the fame team. So, the fame team days were amazing for me because it literally catapulted me into everything. I was doing loads by then. You know, we won a couple of things in the Colour Trophy. Uh, I was then doing the awards. um, British hairdressing, we'll say. Um, I got my first uh, nomination because the British hairdressing awards the London category or a few categories were quite interesting. It was a nomination. You didn't have to go in for it as a competition. And then they changed it. The only thing which became a nomination was British. Yeah. So, you know, we were qualifying for that. Um, I got into Hall of Fame, winning three awards um, in in, uh, British Hairdressing Awards. And then, Obviously, everything was happening by then. I was getting my nominations. I was doing TV. Um, in 98, I'd left Paul because I was kind of still with Paul by then. Yeah. Up until then, uh, I left Paul and set up in Mockham Street, and that was in 1998. Wow. Um, that was a very stressful hard time for me because yeah. um, by then we had lost a son um, yeah. that was really hard um, Joshua um, and then we opened up a salon and you know after that which was pretty difficult because I was in the salon but I was out on the road because you know right. I had some heavyweight contracts mm. My first big contract was with Goldwell, which is obviously now Cal Corporation, massive conglomerate. So I was their global ambassador. So I was all over the world. And that mm-hmm. that opened up doors. So I was doing shows in Australia, um, America, Canada, Hong Kong, Dubai, all over the place. Mm. Um, and that was as well as having a salon and uh, when the salon opened um, we literally and we were fortunate thank God to have had um, another child <laughs> yeah uh, 
when they opened the salon, um, uh, Yolanda was born. And then uh, literally straight after that, it was like a whirlwind. Um, Ruben was born. Then our daughter, Stella, was born in 2000. Yeah. And then after that, we just had three kids and the business was growing and growing and growing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and the thing, what I'm proud of, about, especially with um, the salon, and is our training. We train uh, everybody in Afro hair and European hair, and we've yeah. had hundreds of people come through us and have gone out to um, teach the philosophy of Errol Douglas because our strap line is technical excellence. So that means yeah. we incorporate different textures and cultures um, yeah. hair. And um, I think that's really important. The people who I'm really proud of who are in our yeah. table is uh, Jamie, Jamie Stevens, who was, yeah. you know, with me for seven years. He was my right-hand man. Yeah. Uh, so he did everything I did. Uh, Junior Green uh, is another one. Oh, Junior, yeah. yeah, yeah. Junior Green oh, well. worked for us for six, seven, same time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. A young lady called Naomi Regan, who is um, first assistant to Guido. Yeah. Uh, Guido, big international yeah. fashion stylist, um, front person for Redkin and L'Oreal. So we've got quite a few amazing people yeah. under our hat. You know, um, you must know Ashley. Ashley, you know, we work very close together with Ashley, Craig Chapman. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's so many people. Yeah. Uh, another young lady in Australia, uh, Pauline uh, Pushmont, who she's really doing places. Mila uh, Belova in Russia. Yeah. Um, oh God, Evangeline Barra. It, I, I can. It just goes on. Yeah. These people are. You know, we. I mentor them. We collaborate. We do stuff together. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey, and obviously the journey's not over because I think, uh, especially in hairdressing, uh, the big thing is is the barrier of you know we have to teach hair dressing equally and efficiently. So you know, obviously, to be bang up to date. Um, there was obviously the big debate of not enough afro hair being taught or anything about texture, yeah. but, you know, we have to teach it. Uh, undoubtedly, it's really a coincidence because yesterday I recorded um, a podcast with a friend of mine, Shelley Vine, who actually mm. writes um, the afro, a lot of the afro stuff for the sitting guilds training. Yeah. And um, we've been her for a long time. She, when, she, when I first met her, she really educated me on the, the necessity. Um, mm. We spoke about that at length yesterday on, on that it's going to come out this Sunday. Um, mm. And it's crucial that any hairdresser should, mm. anyone walks through your door, you should be able to do their hair. Yeah. You know, yeah. just a hundred percent agree with you on that. Yeah. But, and I can say again, because I can take you through the stories, you know, the salon is 22 years old this August. Yeah. And we've been teaching that. That's been our indoctrination from day one. Yeah. So everybody knows, and this is the greatest thing about our label and me, people yeah. know I do Afro hair, but they don't type me as an Afro hair dresser. People know yeah. I do 
European hair, but I'm not known just to do European hair. Yeah. So, you know, and then in the very beginning, and it still happens to us now, we get a lot of people recommending us to go to Errol's, you know, in Mockham yeah. Street. But um, the one thing about us, and not to say we're too pricey, because a lot of people won't pay that price. Right. Yeah. Um, what we charge, but at the same time, you know, I think it is equality and it's fair if you can walk into any hairdresser's devoid of who you are and what you look like and somebody can yeah. do your hair. You don't want to exactly. walk up and this is what happens. Somebody would walk in, they would openly flap around, oh, can you do that? Can you do that? Blow dry and ask around and they know full well the answer is going to be, oh, we can't do it today, we can't do it, or that only that person can do it and she's really busy. Yeah. It's not on. It's not on, no. and it can't be like that anymore. No. And it's been, yeah. it needs to, like, you can come in, but um, it, look, 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 any change, as long as it comes at some yeah. point. Yeah, know. yeah. And, um, and honestly, you know, and I think this is from the heart, um, you know, the world hairdresser should be definitely all-encompassed, all-inclusive, um, I do fashion shows. <clears throat> I do yeah. photographic shows. And if they put an Afro model or, um, you know, a textured or multi-textured hair in front of me, I can't walk away and say I can't do that. If I was a doctor in a surgery, <laughs> you know, what am I going to say? Oh, I can't do you. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying about saying Yeah, that. yeah. And I said that yesterday, I said, because if you equate it just to a different sector, um, if you've got some, you know, some people don't like cutting baby fine hair, you know, like, mm. you couldn't just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of someone coming in to stand at your researching desk and then mm. come over and sort of look at it and go, oh, no, no, your hair's far too fine. We don't do hair. Yeah. <laughs> How insulting yeah. would that be? And it goes across the board of anything, doesn't it? Oh, we yeah. can't do your highlights because you've got, you've got ginger hair. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's too warm. You couldn't, yeah. you can't, it mustn't be like that anymore. But I mean, yeah. everything's well, changing for the better. It'd be just something oh, harder to but, do, you know. Yeah, but if, if you think about, um, you know, Afro or black or ethnic population in this country is over 3%. And, you know, it's, it's a way of life. People, you know, it's part of the melting pot of the landscape of... Um, uh, England. England is so prolific in that way, and it's so yeah. incredible. So, at the end of the day, you know, we should do. I, I don't get that um, the business is a core business. You can make uh, quite a lot of money in respect of um, Afro hair and the aftercare. So, and again, you know, people call it Afro hair, people call it texture, but you can't uh, say texture because the word uh, texture is a bit ambiguous because mm. there's three different textures in Afro hair. You know, it's either fine, medium, or thick, mm. of course. So, you know, but you have to be careful with the word texture because the texture means so many different things. Yeah. So, and this is the same thing. You've got a lot of salons that don't do men. Yeah. Which I find pretty weird. Mm. Um, we, we're taught everything, and obviously the barber market has kind of taken off in a huge way yeah. but um we've always done men yeah you know and we do fades and everything else but it is mm. quite interesting 
some salons say, no, that's him, man. Nah, come on, cut your hair. And you kind of think, hang on a second. Yeah. You know, you're a hairdresser, but again, but this goes for long hair. Some salons can't do long hair. Yeah. Some salons don't do bridal. Mm-hmm. You know, bridal and, you know, kind of putting up hair or anything to do with, you know, it's normal. But again, we teach everybody everything. And, um, you know, long hair is beautiful if it can be done in the right way. Um, oh, yeah, it's funny. But it's, it's you know, I, I, I think, um, and again, this goes through being state registered. Yeah. And this goes through all the qualifications to make sure you're accredited of what you do. Um, you know, one day, because I'm state registered, yeah. everybody will be. But I do understand this has to go through legislation, this has to go through the government, our current governments and the governments before. I know we have people lobbying for us, but they don't care. But it should be. I would care. You know, I, I would love yeah. to see us to have some kind of license or to say um, what I do, because you can only go by what I do because of my years and my awards. But, you know, to open up a salon in the West End or any high street, yeah. you know, it's you're dealing with somebody's hair, somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know, you can damage their hair or their life. So you need to be, you know, some kind of regist- registration or license. I don't get it. Uh, my my um, now people, brow people, anything to do with beauty, they, they're licensed. Mm. Um, you know, even a hygienist who just, you know, mm. again, I'm being careful, guys. I'm not saying just yeah. a hygienist yeah. who cleans your, you know, teeth. Has a life yeah. to, to yeah. do it. Um, so, you know, I, I was still in safe hands, and some people disagree. Um, but, you know, we patch test, some talents don't. We patch test for colour, we patch test for if you're having a texturizer or a straightener because of the chemicals that go in your hair. And obviously, you have to make sure you tell us the truth as well uh, because we don't want any reactions. But again, most salons won't do it. Um, when we do go back to work, you know, because moving forward, um, there's going to be nothing normal about us going back to work next month. No. So everybody has to abide by those rules. Yeah. And possibly a, pop, a, 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 a lot of people won't. Of Who's going to govern it? No. Who's going to govern no. it? Who's going to police it? Mm. I think um, we, we um, when I've I've done some work in America and you know the the, the legislations and the, and the controls are so much more there than and you come back and you think like you know we've 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 we normally not but we're far behind on that type of thing um, because and, and as an industry it's often you know we said we're not taken seriously but then mm. we've got to take ourselves seriously enough. To, yep. to earn that respect, you know, by insisting that we're all registered, and you know, I totally agree with that. Yeah, but ultimately, you know, the safety of the client is 
imperative, yeah. and the yeah. safety of my staff is imperative. So, of course. yeah, I'm going to have appropriate um, a PPE, masks, um, overalls, possibly, you know, gloves, the whole bit, you know. Yeah. And obviously, the two-metre distance, we're going to have that, perspect, you know, yeah. sanitation, everything. It's like, uh, you know, it's a complete minefield of when you go in. Um, but on the other hand, you know, and this is not me going backwards and being, being nostalgic, you know, hairdressing is such a, an incredible uh, thing to do because you're adding to the community. You're, you're, yeah, I'm changing life, you know, internally and externally. But the great thing about a hairdresser, because a hairdresser is like a guru to most people yeah. and their clients, yeah. and I'm going to be wrapped up like a turkey. Yes. Yeah. You know, they won't be able to see my mouth. They just about see my eyes. Oh, you know, I know. We're going to do virtual consultations, and so before people come in, we're going to do either a Zoom call or a FaceTime call because I won't see their faces. No, that's it. They, they have to come in with masks. We have to wear a yeah. mask. You know, and I don't care what anybody says. I wear a mask now. It's, I'm, you know, I feel suffocated. It's like asphyxiation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, you sweat underneath it, and you've got to mm. wear it all day. Mm. So, you know, and I'm saying this to everybody, you know, let's just... <laughs> do this properly so we can get out of it yeah exactly we can't I mean go, it's really yeah. difficult what I do with, with my you know haircuts from this when we go to the centres that we've always from the very beginning made a point of saying yeah, pure respect for, for our clients in there that we don't wear gloves we don't wear <laughs> you know we don't get you know all of these things because we want it to be um, a respectful exchange, you know, of, mm. of, and treating them exactly like a, as much as a client as possible. Mm. And we've got to completely go back on that. Now, the thought when we begin, I've got to, com we've got to wear gloves and masks and that. Mm. And so much of the eye contact and the, mm. the communication is going to be lost at the mm. beginning. But as you say, it's imperative that we have that safety in place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think, um, it absolutely sends out the sorry, the right message, and the, the right message is, is making sure um, you know you're not contacting anything if it is airborne and vice versa. But at the same time, you are being responsible, and I think that's the word a lot of people yeah. forget um, mm. when they go to somebody's house and they don't know this person or they're doing some kind of freelance hairdressing and there's no preparation taken, you know. So, yeah. again, you're being vulnerable. You're letting yourself in. Mm. You know, um, if we send out anybody, you know, because they come from a reputable, responsible salon and shop, mm. we ask too many questions about the other person and, you know, have they had a test or not a test and, you know, could we make sure you have, because obviously there's, uh, facilities now with the temperature down and you know you just have to be careful you really yeah. do have to be yeah. careful you um, can't play around at this no, no no but I wish I had that nonchalant thing where you know people just walk around as if there's nothing happened there was a raid the other day <laughs> I know. I was it in Manchester or something? It's, it's, 
absolutely crazy. Yeah. Crazy, 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 crazy. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think the whole attitude of that is, you know, you have to comprehend we can't go back into what we were doing before. That's what everybody has to grasp. There's, There's no point in trying to kid yourself. You can do this and do that. It is totally... 365 degree turn different when we walk back through that door. Yeah. You know, no magazines, no teeth and coffees. You've got to bag up clients' gowns and plastic, keep the gowns by them. It's like no surfaces. You know, you have to change all the filters in your air conditioning. Uh, you need one-to-one contact. So some hairdressers who are not used to you know, doing the full service on the client, have to do the full service on the client. The mm. assistant is going to be there, but it's not everybody's going to uh, come in contact with this one client. It's just one-to-one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing me out. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. I know. Exhausting. It is. Yeah. You know, but then we'll, we'll, we'll rise to the challenge because, you know, yes, we will. what we do, yeah. you know, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, sorry. You first. Now, I was just about to say the the the, the fundamental thing, and um, I think a lot of people do get it now. You know, I uh, have a salon in the West End. Sorry, not the West End, in Mayfair, and yeah, we're upholding hairdressing. We're upholding the community. We're upholding, mm. you know, what we stand by. So, you know, and there's no point, and I say this all the time, there's no point in saying you're going into all these competitions, I'm going in for the British Business Awards, I'm going in for these awards, especially uh, Most Wanted for Innovation, and mm. you're not upholding it. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> those, those awards are a responsibility, because, yeah. you know, like you've then got, you know, you're then, the minute you're looked to, you're looked to doing the right thing. Mm. I mean, you've you've said quite a bit, you know, like, because you've obviously featured a lot in the walls, but we've sort of mm. missed out the award that I mentioned at the beginning is mm. Errol Douglas MBE. What, you know, <laughs> no, what, thank you. what was that like? I can, um, you know. That was um, the most surreal moment and... I have to choose my words carefully because it does yeah. change for me um, when I talk about it because oh, I was so young. I was, uh, that was in 2008. I was 43. Right. Uh, in, in this industry, there's not many people who have them. I think no. Trevor, Beverly, uh, Nikki. I could be yeah. wrong. I don't think there's many. And they don't really re- reward this industry anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, but it is quite interesting. Um, yeah. It's the, uh, to get a vocation, not a vocation, to get a, uh, an investiture for um, yeah. uh, services for hairdressing is pretty obsolete now I think I don't know why and I, I hope I'm not yeah. saying the wrong thing here but well I, I think if, if that's the case then you're just stating the what it is you know yeah. the fact that they are yeah 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. Yeah. All I can say, and, you know, anybody who, you know, and I'm not being sicky and all that sugar, is you're in front of the Queen, Stuart. Yeah. You see her. Yeah. Everywhere. She's on all the banknotes. She's part yeah. of the British Empire. <laughs> uh, don't get me started off on Brexit. Um, yeah. She's part of the British Empire. She's the head of the um, sorry, British Empire. Yeah. Royal family. And you're standing there in the palace. Yeah. In front of her. You don't go in the side gate. No. You go in the front gate. So yeah. concertina doors, which is like to your one front door, her front door is about eight across, because you know it's like that yeah. big. <laughs> you go through those doors, you're driven, because you can't walk through, so you have to get a, um, uh, I, I, I hired a chauffeur for the day. Yeah. They take you in, and they stay there, and they wait for you to come back out. Right. So, just imagine, I felt like a diplomat, I felt like a queen or queen yeah. as yeah. well, because you're received by the royal Household, yeah, and then you meet all the people um, getting it, and what? And, and the thing is, and I have to say this before, um, and again, they change it all the time. So you know, I hope I'm not going to get a knock on the door. Um, <laughs> you get the letter in October, but you cannot say a word until it's announced in the honours list. Right, I see, yeah, yeah. So you get an envelope, which is the most um, official-looking thing. Yeah. It's like a demand, looks yeah. like a tax demand or something. <laughs> and then that comes from uh, Downing Street or right. uh, the PM's office. And then um, the correspondence after that, if you accept, because you can say no or yes comes from Buckingham Palace. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have the Queen um, yeah. give it to me. Yeah. And that picture is golden. Oh, I know. I saw it recently. Yeah. It's amazing. Golden. Golden. Yeah. So, how, how proud was your, was your parents? Oh. <laughs> um, they <laughs> were... They were beaming. The whole yeah. the whole yeah. day, Stuart, was yeah. incredible because, um, like I said, I've got three kids. Um, yeah. You can only take three people. So yeah. I took my mum and dad. Um, and like I said, you know, they're used to dressing up and stuff. Yeah. So they went to town on that. I had to get a suit made for myself and my son. Right. Um uh, Ruben was then 10, uh, so we had uh, morning suits made, matching. The only thing that's uh, different was our time. Right. <laughs> there was mini me. Um, Brilliant. Then, yeah, and then when it was announced, um, I had to find a big enough venue to have lunch because it starts from about 10, 11. You're in there all day about right. one or two and then I had to find somewhere to have lunch for my family my immediate family and then I invited all my team right. um, in the evening and um, I was practically carried out 
was there. You know, it was, it was a great, it's a great yeah. um, uh, day, and yeah. it was, it was, it will never be forgotten because um, yeah. to get a, an award for because it was for um, services to hairdressing and education and obviously charity because we do a lot of work yeah. like that and um, to say yeah you, it's, it's incredible you know you did good yeah yeah. <laughs> so, so, I don't know if you know the perks of having an MBE no no and one of the perks is any of the big um, St Paul's or any big cathedrals or anything like that you can have Christians and you know you supersede all the um, hierarchy to get into these things. And obviously, you know, officially at black tie weddings, folk not weddings, at black, black tie functions, you should wear it. And the only oh. person who does wear it, and I don't know uh, if you know this, and everybody used to take the pee out of him, was Bob Deldoff. Or Sir Bob. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, I mean, I know... I know you tragically lost your mum this year, but yeah. isn't it nice that she that they were both around? Yes, to yeah. see well, that of you. Unfortunately, my dad um, died of a massive heart attack in 2015. He was taken from us tragically. Right. He was healthy. He got through prostate cancer, and then right. it just hit him. And yeah. at that particular time, it was around again to go back to the Queen. It was her jubilee, so that's that was a yeah. particularly punishing time for us because we couldn't get his body back for ages because it was just too much stuff. And then, yeah. um, tragically, um, this year, this this March, um, 2020, a year that everybody wants to forget. Um, yeah. You know, 22nd of March, she passed away with stroke, and she was in a home, a great home. Mm. You know, we thought she would have lived for at least um, three or four more years, and it was, you know, kind of brought on by COVID, but, you know, who yeah. knows? Hey, by then, nobody could go and see her because of yeah. uh, the lockdown. Um yeah, it's tragic. So, it's tragic. you know, the two most important people who, you know, absolutely steered me yeah. to where I am today, both of them are gone. And, and I'm not that old, and they weren't that old. No. No, my dad wasn't <laughs> old. He was, yeah. my dad was 71, you know. Um, mm. And my mum now is 83, you know. So, mm. too like that we, we lost a lot of time with him, you know, mm. uh, when he went. Um I think, and they instilled in you that your values and mm. probably um, faith as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what yeah. does what does faith mean to you, Errol? Uh, faith means everything because, again, you know, I am very respectful of everybody's faith and what people yeah. do, but I think you need this inner, you need an inner glow to help you, you know. Mm. And again, without going into detail, I've brought up um, a Methodist, uh, kind of a form of Church of England, but it's the same, really. Uh, my parents were very kind of instilled in that way, and I've, I've kind of taken their 
kind of spiritual belief. So mm. for me, it's really important to, you know, I'm always fair in how I, you know, I'm very respectful of people. I'm very respectful of my team, very respectful of anybody who knows me. Mm. And I think that is uh, a core to anybody's upbringing. Um, I do have a, a spiritual calling. You know, I yeah. very much meditate. I love to listen to scriptures. I pick up the book now and again. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong um, with having values. And I think it's equally as hard to hear people spurt stuff which they don't know. Um, anything to do with, you know, the chapters or Genesis. Or, you know, they just yeah. spout hatred when they don't know. But, mm. you know, it gives us value. You know, and I, I think it's important to have values, but I think the one fundamental thing, and we don't do it as a race, or we don't do it as people, we don't listen. We always <laughs> jump to the wrong conclusion. We're always aggressive. Mm. <laughs> We're always too outspoken when, you know, you can absolutely offend and hurt somebody in a couple of words. So, mm. you know, we need to go back to school, I think. Um, the schools are too PC. Nobody does this. Nobody teaches that. So, in a way, what are you teaching? There has to be some kind of core value. And again, I'm yeah. saying this because I'm not offending people and I'm not being old-fashioned, but, you know, it's like you have to say to somebody what's right and wrong. Mm. And they have to understand why it's not right and why <laughs> and why it's wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, we get caught up in loads of things. You know, you can't wear crosses. You can't do this. You can't me mention uh, Muslim. You can't mention Jewish. You can't. Oh my word! Mm. It's 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 nuts. You know, and again, I think one of the you know, and I'm not political at all, and I don't want to be outspoken, and I'm not that type of person because I think you you get to know me. This. This, this corrosion of things has all happened to, from my, from my kind of spin of it, is when the government started interfering in the homes and schools yeah. in that way, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like Big Brother, you know. Mm. And you're saying to me, you know, because you're going to offend somebody, and that shouldn't be an offence, but why should you take it? Oh, you know, I can't wear a cross to school. I can't wear a cross when I'm in a plane. For my student. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's nuts, isn't it? You mm. know, but you should be able, without offending anybody, and again, I'm saying this, respectfully, you, if, yeah. if you're doing it respectfully, you're not going to hurt anybody. You're not going to offend anybody. I think that's the key word. Yeah. It's respectfully. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know, having respect and tolerance is mm. the most, I th and I think you know. I mean, you you've kindly said, and, and I, I know you will see through on that. That you're gonna when we do get going, you're gonna come to one of our sessions. Yes, in Whitechapel. Absolutely. But it's the yeah. best place to see it. You know, yeah. I it, yeah. it's the great leveller. Everyone comes in um, mm. of all, all all nations, all all colour, mm. all all religions, and mm. I've had some of the most beautiful moments of someone who cannot speak English, so we can't converse. 
mm-hmm. and where there's a, just exchange between us and he may be say of the Muslim faith or and, and he just looks at me and he touches his heart and mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. that's the thing you know that, that we're all we're, we're all human you know mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like I can respect what you know whatever you want to do but just you know as long as you don't tell me what I've got to do and I'll, I will I will have the respect not to tell you what to do. Yeah. That's it, you know. And it, 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 it's it, it's so simple, but yeah, we make it so difficult. Yeah, we, we make everything <laughs> difficult. Uh, we make everything difficult, and we make everything ugly. Uh, it's ugly, yeah. Ugly, yeah. Is, yeah. It is ugly. It gets very yeah. ugly, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're you're left nothing. How can you? teach children when they're being subjected to stuff what they see on TV, yeah. stuff what they yeah. see what's happened in the States and mm. you know, you're the only person who has to be subjective and truthful to give them the answer you can't take them and say, oh right, I'm winged or you know, yeah. you have to tell them the truth and yeah. again, as parents sometimes they don't even tell their children the truth no so, I think, know, unfortunately, very... sometimes they don't know the truth. This is the thing, this is where ignorance <laughs> yeah. comes in. They don't even know the truth. Yeah, that's true. Themselves, that's you know, yeah. so, uh, that's, but, uh, you know. But I'm, I'm uh, optimist, pessimistic yes. all the time, so I yeah. know it has to get better, but, you know, I, I define myself as, you know, I'm a humanist. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm a child of the earth. I do believe yeah. in God, but I'm a child yeah. of the earth. Um, I've made a conscious conscious decision ages ago. I don't eat meat. I don't yeah. kill anything. Yeah. Um, I've stopped eating fish again. You know, so I'm just eating plants at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that's for me for now because you know. Yeah. yeah. I try not to put a lid on things like that. <laughs> no, no. I like no. to keep things a little bit flexible. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, my, one know, of my favourite yeah. sayings is. God moves mountains, but you better bring a shovel. Yeah, <laughs> because you, it's all about yeah. action, isn't it? That's the thing. It, yeah. it's, it's you know, yeah. place wonderful, but we we we've really got to take action. And as you say, yeah. do what you can, uh, and, and and as well, mind your business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, business. Okay, you know, so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. You know, and it's happened to, you know, my salon, my salon. You know, I've been. Um, Recycling for ages, you know. yeah. Especially with single-use plastics and everything else. Oh, yeah. And you know, one of my greatest friends in the the world, who's a real advocate of that, is uh, Kareem Jackson. But oh, um, I was jumping up in the air, you know, because uh, my council, which is Westminster, finally, as a commercial business, we can uh, throw away rubbish in the appropriate way, just like I do oh. at home. Yeah, and that's taken forever. Yeah, but where I live, there's a black bag still, and they're only just about just like to to go over to the the three bin system that a lot of our neighbouring um, councils yeah. have got. But we we've still got that old one. Yeah, and, and you think, oh come on, a good friend of mine, as you said, uh, Ashley Hodges, mm. um, she has taught taught me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it is, you know, it, I love it, learning from people like that. Yeah, know. it's fascinating, you know? Yeah. And we have a, a bin now just for food as well. 
yeah. you know, your waste rather than just putting it in. It goes to yeah. a proper um, waste. But again, you know, that can be used on the plant. That's biodegradable. It's like yeah. fertilizer. They mix it up. They do, um, you know, it's kind of get a, a, a nutrients to the earth. But yeah. um, a lot of people kind of, you know, and they do that all through their life, you know. We recently, we recently had the best version of that because we had a Vietnamese pot ready pig <laughs> and it's the best recycling unit in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> but we've it's been rehomed now. We found it a lovely place to live. It's like a happy ever after. <laughs> it's yeah, on yeah. the farm now somewhere with a, another great big pig and they're happy as Larry now. <laughs> See? But just uh, imagine, it's like, you know, it's like... Uh, I thought he was going to say something else there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's, you know, you just have to have respect. We're, we're yeah. in a, um, these decades now where it's make or break. And you can tell um, with um, coronavirus or um, mm. COVID-19, there's something not quite right, okay? Yeah. Nobody knows the truth. So I'm no. definitely not a... Uh, I'm not making up things but whatever happened it's happened because we need it to happen because it gets us off of the street you can breathe you can see more bees see more birds see more different species of things I live uh, in West London so I'm on the canal and um, it's so clean it's so clear yeah you know it's where a significant change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I live, you, you, you've got turtles, you've got otters, all these things. I'm thinking, what? Yeah. I've seen those things before, and it's there. Right. So it is quite um, amazing. It's like a, a cleanse. And, yeah. you know, the worst thing is, and, you know, and I hope that many people haven't died. You know, yeah. Kind of over 30,000 people and still rising. Yeah. Who have died in this. You know, and one is too many. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's the worst um, from that point of view. And they are the people who are probably was kind of um, you know taking precautions. But um, imagine just to go down with something like this yeah. pandemic. And you're just minding your own business, and then you hear of your friend or your mum's in hospital yeah. fighting for her life. Yes, yeah, so it's horrendous. Oh. It's scary. Mm. That's it's, why um, we've got to treat it with respect. Yeah. Yeah. When we go back out, yeah. Yeah, and I and I and what we don't want is obviously a se- second um, outbreak. But yeah. Yeah. it it does happen. I'm going to do it. Do everything, everything from my power not to be quarantined in this country. I don't care. I have to go somewhere. Yeah. Scottish Highlands or Wales or if I can get out of the country I'll get out because I live in central London and it's not yeah. easy so you know God help those people who are in 14 um, foot high rises and oh, no God, balconies yeah. and no windows yeah. Yeah. you know Perfect. we're very fortunate and I always say this yeah. um, I thank the lucky stars we're very fortunate in so many aspects of yeah where you're born uh, because you can have so much against you Stuart, in every yeah. single way mm. 
So, you know, I say thank you to the universe. I say thank, thank you. Thank you constantly, every day. Yeah, um, <laughs> I do, honestly. Everything comes yeah, up. Yeah, me too, me too. I <laughs> know, oh, I, I, I completely get that. I completely yeah. get that. So, but again, yeah. you know, you know, I, I absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, um, yeah, I'm absolutely hoping it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, yeah. people obviously have to be kinder, they have to be loving, you yeah. know, all this aggression, you know? Yeah. It's like, again, and I'm, like I said, I didn't really speak about it. Like but um, I love their nature because, you know, they've got great natures and they do respect people and respect yeah. other things. And, you know, they don't have trouble. They walk away from it. And, no. you know, it's just like, you know, I, I'll i be the first person to be um, demonstrating. But you know what? I just, people were volatile and unpredictable and, yeah. um, you know, it's 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 sad what you see. Um, I'm afraid, yeah. And hate does, hate doesn't cure hate. It's it's no. it, you know it it, it it never helps. But no, um, there's no. just hope. We can only yeah. you know hope is the answer. Yeah. Hope, but yeah. hope, love, respect. Mm. Um, you know, it's mm. the only way. Yeah. Well, and, uh, 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 sorry. Is that it? Well, you're going. Well, wow. I was just okay. going to say. You're going to wrap it up. Shut up, Douglas. No, listen. I I could go on for hours, but I think I think <laughs> we get a limit where we get cut off on the podcast. So, okay. uh, I mean, but we must we must have a part two yeah. because what we'll do is is when we do get back out, then it is safe, and we do. Maybe you'll come back on after you've been to one of our sessions. Yeah, and we can absolutely. We can sort of chat about that as well. Yeah, but um. I'm gonna, I'm, I am gonna, I'm gonna finish this. I normally say, "What have you?" You know, you give me some last mm. words, but I'm gonna give you some last words. I'm gonna give you some last words that are that you, without. See, the thing is, you affect. I think you're aware of, of the effect, yeah, but you, you don't know how many people you affect. And you know, I've looked up to you throughout my career, uh, and and to to finally be in this position to talk to you and share this with you it, you know it, it, I've got the utmost respect for you as a human oh, thank being so we've been and, trying to uh, connect for ages though this so is long but funniest you know, thing patience <laughs> is a virtue yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I've just I've really really enjoyed it Errol uh, and, thank and thank you so much for it and uh, we'll we'll be in touch soon brilliant thank you very much Stuart thank and you so like much like I said and I said this to you before what you do is just so vital, and I think it should be in a government curriculum to sort these people out who are so selfish, you know. And it's just like doing a, um, a country swap with somebody. Somebody's yeah. going to Africa or India and yeah. see how lucky you are because you've got running water, hot food, a takeaway, mm-hmm. whatever. So just, <laughs> just imagine. So, yeah, uh, absolute respect to you. Thank you very much, sir. And I'll speak to you very soon. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, 
some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.